0: to be out on the seas having a good time and hearing the word too so we're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord and specifically the Ezekiel 38 war because that happens right after the rapture because you've got all these nations coming together for that in fact you've got Jordan and Saudi Arabia basically changing their stance just in the last year or so to be friends with Israel because those nations don't attack Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war so we're looking at what's happening around the Middle East that points to his return because something happens every single week that we don't get a lot of info on, but man, tons of stuff's happening. So let's pick up with what's happened this last week. First of all, you had a little bit more information about all of Israel having to bomb all those different sites in Syria. On top of that, Iran is still gathering up armament on the border of Syria to the point they flew drones in this last week in three different locations. It wasn't just one drone. Uh, one of the sites said it was drone after drone after drone after drone. So you've got, you've got Iran amassing all this military so that they can invade Israel. Along with that, you had Hamas. Remember, fire some rockets into Israel last week. They did a few more this week. Also in Jerusalem, they had a bomb that was set up to blow up and kill many people in Jerusalem, but Israel's security forces found out about that. It was from Hamas, and it came out this week that Hamas basically said, Iran has filled Gaza with Iranian troops. Now, basically, those were the Hamas troops are all Iranian. So you've got Iran on the south, you've got Iran on the north, I mean, you have Iranian missile bases uh, 7 kilometers and 11 kilometers and 40 kilometers from the border of Israel. The one that Israel hit this last week was an oversight uh, viewing location for Iran. Israel took them right out. So a lot of different things are happening with them, happening with the Kurds, happening with Turkey. It is interesting. This was something cool that I thought was bizarre. Russia came out this last week and took away the use of Syria's S-400 missile defense system, basically allowing Israel to go in anytime they need to and bomb Iranian targets. Now that's bizarre, because in the past that's not happened like that, so a lot of changes are happening to give Israel a little bit more leeway to stop those uh, uh, shipments that are coming down. You don't hear it one time in the news, there's a 747 three times a week flying into Syria with armament from Iran. No word at all in the regular news media. But you have in the news media even talking about on the Strait of Hormuz, you got Israel hooking up to help America to, to guard the Strait of Hormuz and then 60 other nations uh, basically came into agreement that we've got to protect that, that area because you got, you got Iran attacking uh, English tankers and then saying they're not doing it and then going in through helicopters and taking their crew captive and saying they didn't do it. And then they said there were, weren't international waters when they were international waters. So a lot of stuff is happening with Iranians' uh, cybercrime. Iran came out this last week and showed publicly that they're enriching uranium beyond what they had been before. I love that there's pressure being put on them through sanctions to not act like they're acting, but that's basically what they're doing. They want to annihilate Israel. In the middle of that, you had the Sanhedrin in Israel come out and say that President Trump was acting like the one from Edom that was going to help them rebuild the temple. That's pretty crazy because in the middle of the same week, you had the Temple Mount Institute. This week say, we're, stop, we're stopping to mourn about the temple being overthrown. We're not mourning about the temple. We're rejoicing in the, the readiness to get ready to build the third temple. So you've got groups in Israel that are making preparation for what's going to happen after the church leaves. So there's many things happening, you have Russia uh, basically flew into international waters on the edge of Alaska. We didn't actually escalate it by sending fighters, we normally send fighters, but you had four Soviet bombers there on the edge of America sending a message to America. So there's many things that came out this last week that the verbiage was about World War III. I mean you had earthquakes in Tennessee, you had earthquakes in Japan, and the Bible talks about corruption and violence. You can't get much more violent than all the shooting that you've seen the last couple weeks. I was kind of freaked out that everybody blamed the president over people killing people. So there's just a weird mentality of blame for Lucifer being Lucifer in the earth. Because the Bible plainly says that the people would be be just like the days of Noah. So that's what you're seeing. The main thing you're seeing, though, is the resurgence of every nation coming together to get ready for the entrance of the king. So what do we do in the church? Okay, you look at the signs. What are the signs for? The signs show us how close we are. I've told you before, I had a guy say, well, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, Joe, you just get everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's exactly right. It's the hope that purifies us, even as we're pure. So you've got Israel made a nation. you got Jerusalem on back. you got the Hebrew language restored. You've got Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got 172 different species of predatory birds. I mean, you have all these tangible physical signs that point to the coming of the Lord. Why would the Lord go to so much trouble? He loves you. He wants you filled with joy, filled with strength. He actually wants you excited. If you can't get excited when you see all these signs, something's wrong with you. So God has overloaded the Bible with verse after verse after verse of what it would look like right before the Lord came back. And then you have all these tangible signs, many more. Many will be lovers themselves. who have selfie sticks. You've got fish showing up in the Dead Sea. That was prophesied 2,700 years ago, came to pass this year. So tangible, physical things pointing to his return. Then you got signals. You had the blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. Crazy. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? 1967, when Jerusalem was won back. 1948, when Israel's made a nation. 1492, at the Edict of Expulsion, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you had that. Then you had the Bethlehem Star last year. That one's really cool. You should look up the, the uh, Bethlehem Star on YouTube and look at the bonus feature, two minutes long. It shows you exactly what the heavens were doing when Jesus died at 3 p.m on that Friday, amazing, you see the Lamb, you see the heart of the Lamb go dark right there, an eclipse covering up the sun, as the heart of the Lamb, when Jesus died for our sins, come on, three in the afternoon, the flawlessness of that, showing you the heavens, making known the will and the plan, the purpose of God, so you had that, you had many more, uh, which that's pretty radical, Uh, So we're privileged. We're blessed. What do we do? Help your local church. Help your local pastor. Get the message out. Have an accelerated mentality to do the will of God. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. As busy as everyone is, we don't go, hey, should I come to church now? No, no, no. We're running our race. We get strengthened by hearing the word. The Bible tells us to gather all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're so privileged. Jesus gave his life for us, and all of a sudden we're going to see him face to face. Awesome. Live your life like you're going to see him face-to-face. Have a blessed, awesome Wednesday. We'll come see you next week. We'll see what's happening around Israel. There'll be much more happening, pointing to the temple being rebuilt, pointing to everyone trying to kill Israel. It's a sign that we're about to see Jesus face-to-face. Have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, I think we missed the very first. He's on a cruise right now.
0: For
1: there was a church that did a... Uh, that I guess the whole church went on a cruise or something, and he's the, like their guest speaker. I was like, that'd be pretty cool to do but um but anyway, so isn't that something with all the stuff that's happening you know and and man, the lord you know i, I shared this Sunday about the Lord woke me up last Thursday about you know and just told me to be praying for the straight of four there, man, it's been in the news all weekend. I don't know if you've heard or all week, and even even today i was uh I sat down in the living room there and turned on Fox News for a few minutes, and they were talking about the escalation of stuff in the Strait of Hormuz you know and I was like wow and um, just amazing that you know uh, how God will speak to us and and how how he wants us to co-labor with him in these last days you know people always say I've heard people say for years well God doesn't need you yes he does I mean God needs us you know he needs us to be uh, aware and these does needs us to be listening to him so that so that we can partner with him uh, concerning these things. And I mean, it's vital in these last days that he has a that his body hears him, you know, and responds to what he uh you know, what he wants for us, amen. Alright, so let's turn to Revelation twenty one. We are uh, the last two chapters. We may finish tonight. Yes, Joel. I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I was wondering why he didn't mention it. It was all over the news the other day and now I've been struggling to find sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm shocked. I mean, it was everywhere. It's not,
1: it's yeah. It's found, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? I mean...
0: Well, I was happy to see when the British did chase the
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, what did he... Hope to get more to do it. But now listen, what, what did he say? He said in there that... Uh, and, and I've seen this more on the news, that like 60 nations are partnering the, with the U.S. now to protect that that body of water. I mean, and that was... You know, that's something that, that is kind of a new thing because, you know... Basically, the U.S. and the British were the only ones protecting that area. That ago, I, I, I saw. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Well, World War III. They're talking about yeah, war, the war war World War III. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's crazy. I mean, it is, and it's unfolding right before our eyes. I mean, man, it's, it's incredible. The... Uh, everything that's happening and, and you know, we're, we're, we're privileged to see it, you know, it's incredible. So here in Revelation chapter 21, um, like I said, we've got through, last week we finished up talking about uh, the great white throne judgment and, um, you know, talking about the, um, basically the end of, the end of the earth as we know it and because, you know, at the end of, uh, at, the, at the rapture of the church, then you have the tribulation period, uh, There's a, there's kind of like a uh, and then from the tribulation period, you have the, the millennial reign. At, during the millennial reign, you kind of have a remodeling or a re uh, kind of a uh, the earth kind of goes back to like it was in the Garden of Eden. But then, but then here at the end of um, at the end of the millennial reign, we find out that 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 heaven and you know we've we've read these scriptures and heard this. Jesus said it. We'll look at these scriptures tonight. But but the heavens, the heaven and the earth as we know it will be totally gone. And, uh, and, and that, that happens at the end of the millennial reign. And, and you know, uh, it, we, some, some very interesting scriptures. We saw last week in uh, Revelation 20, and let's just look at uh, Revelation 20 verse... Uh, let me find this verse here real quick. Uh, verse, verse 11. Revelation 20 verse 11, he said this. He said, I saw a great white throne... And him that sat on it, from the, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. So at that moment, when when, when John when John looked up into heaven and he saw the great white throne uh, with Jesus sitting on that throne, the Bible says that heaven and earth fled away. There was no place left. So at that moment, there was nobody left on the earth. At, you know, the the church had already been raptured. The, there, there was different raptures and different different times when the when the those that believed uh, that believed on Jesus even during the, the tribulation period were called up into heaven, and then here is the, the set or the last resurrection that we saw here at the great white throne where all of the, the dead and the, the those that didn't believe were were resurrected and they were they were caught up they were raptured so to speak but their rapture was to go to a, a final judgment. So the earth was completely empty, and the Bible says that the heavens and earth fled away. Now let me give you a couple of scriptures on this, because um, actually in chapter 21, let's look at this. Chapter 21, verse 1, it just says this. John said, uh, and this was after the great white throne judgment, and, and death and hell were, were thrown into the lake of fire. Satan was thrown into the lake of fire. All those that didn't believe in Jesus were thrown into the lake of fire. And the last verse there in in chapter 20 says, whoever's name was not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. So, So the final judgment's finally over. Everything's complete. And then chapter 21, it says, John said this, he said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. So we find out the very first verse here in chapter 21, we find out that that things are going to change radically. Like right now, um, you know, the, the earth is something like, uh, what is it, 60-some percent water or something like that? You know, there's more water than there is land mass. Well, here we find out that in the new heaven and the new earth that there is no more sea. So the large bodies of water are gone. Now, and people and people say, well, I wonder why that is, you know, because we've always heard that in heaven... Um, you know, whatever you like to do, you'll be able to do, you know, and you'll enjoy those things, you know, kind of like they were here. And people say, well, man, I like to surf, or I like to go to the beach, or whatever, but here it says there's no more sea. But, but you have to remember, think about this for a moment. In John's day, remember, John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, which was surrounded, of course, it was an island surrounded by the ocean. In John's day, the ocean, the sea, was really uh, a symbol of separation, because you couldn't hop on a plane and just jump from the Isle of Patmos back over to, to Thessalonica or wherever. I mean, you know, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to journey, you had to get on a boat, and it was treacherous, and many times people didn't make it, and, and it was, you know, so the sea kind of represented separation and, and division. And, and we're going to find out as we read about the new heavens and the new earth that there is no separation, there is no division. Everything's going to be perfect in the you know in in heaven. So let's look at just a couple of scriptures and and just to show you um what other people said about the uh about the heavens and earth passing away. Let's first look at Matthew chapter 24. This is what Jesus himself said about this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 and 36 jesus himself said this he said heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away so you know jesus even prophesied about that one day that heaven the heavens the heaven and the earth will pass away and then verse 36 he he goes on to say but of that day and hour knoweth no man no not even the angels of heaven but my father only so you know so jesus said nobody knows exactly when that day is going to be but jesus said rest assured Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my words will, will never pass away. Let's turn back to Isaiah just for a minute and look at a couple of times that Isaiah prophesied about this. And this is interesting. And then we're going to look at 2 Peter, second Peter and, then, and then we'll go on and read some more in Revelation. In Isaiah 34, verse 4, I'm just going to pick out just a couple of, um, a couple of verses here. Because Isaiah prophesied a lot about the end times and the, the, the end of the age. And things in or in Isaiah thirty-four verse four, Isaiah said this: and all of the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all the hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from a fig tree. So, so Isaiah said. Isaiah said the heavens. Now that's an incredible thought. He said that the heavens are going to fall like a leaf falls from a tree. And, you know, we've all seen a leaf just kind of like float down to the ground. He said that the heavens are going to do that on this day. Um, turn over to chapter 51, chapter Isaiah 51, verse 6. I'm just, just showing you a couple times where, uh, where Isaiah prophesied about this. In Isaiah 51, verse 6, He says this, uh, Isaiah said, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they, they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished." So he said. So here, this time, he said that the, the heavens are going to vanish away like smoke. The earth is going to wax old like a garment and just dissipate, and uh, and everybody's going to be gone. You know, he said. But but his but God's salvation will last forever. Then in, in chapter sixty five, um, in Isaiah sixty five verse seventeen, he he prophesied this. He said, uh, Isaiah said this. He said, "For behold, I create a new or I create new heavens and a new earth." And the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Now, boy, that that's an incredible scripture right there. He says that when when that time comes, what that, what Isaiah prophesied was this. He said when that time comes, because you know we always ask the question, um, and, and I, people ask me this all the time. You know, when we when you start talking about end times and start talking about heaven, people say, "Well, will I remember?" You know the the earthly things well i remember well we know each other will we you know will we think about our life here on the earth well isaiah prophesied hundreds of years thousands of years ago thousand over you know hundreds of years ago he said that that god said when i'm he said i'm creating a new heaven and a new earth and he said the former he said because the former heaven and earth will be gone away will be vanished or be taken away and he says and you you won't even remember them anymore my my response is always this. I do believe we're going to know each other, but my response to that question is always this: our my, our focus is going to be on Jesus. We're not going to be focused on earthly things, the things of the earth, the things of our former life uh, here on the earth is not going to be it's not going to be like the, the main focal point when we get to heaven. Does that make sense? You know, we're going to be we're going hey we're going to be with Jesus, man. We're going to be with him. We're going to be with God with Jesus, and you know we're not going to be worried about thinking about things that's happened here. And I'm going to show you if, is that the new heavens and the new earth, when, when, the, when the new city comes down, Jerusalem comes down, that's when God wipes away all the tears. And I believe that's when, um, you know, when we enter into the eternal state, I believe that's when, you know, we won't even think about the former things anymore. It's going to be so magnificent. It's going to be so wonderful that we won't even, it won't even be a thought to us, you know. Uh, look at one one more, and then we'll t- turn back. Look at Second Peter chapter three. This is probably this is probably the most detailed of any of the description about what's going to happen um, in the end times. And um, man, we could read all of this, but for the sake, let's just. Um... <coughs> Well, let's just, let's just read this real quick, because this, I mean, this is just so good here in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. And, and we'll just read this real quick. Verse 1, he says, the second, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, Walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of of creation. And we hear people saying that now. You know, I've heard that my whole life. And, you know, know, that's just a fairy tale now. I mean, I've heard people say that. And he says, verse 5, he says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. "...whereby the world then, or that then was being overflowed with water perished." Talking about in Noah's day. "...but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved until fi- unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day." The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but the Lord is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I'm telling you guys, I believe that verse right there is a key verse to understanding Revelation. Uh, I, one, the, one thing that, I, that the more I read Revelation and the more I study it is that it shows the longsuffering of God, that, that He'll go to great lengths to save one person. And here he said, listen, he said, don't think the Lord slack like men count slackness. He said, because the Lord is long-suffering and he'll do what... He said, because it's not God's will that any should perish. And he goes to long lengths so that nobody will perish, so that that he gives them every opportunity, every opportunity to receive him and to accept him as their Savior. But then verse 10, he says, verse 10, excuse me, he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now here, here he's going to start talking about the very, the very thing that we just read in, in Revelation 21. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are, in, that are there, therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace without spot or blemish, and, and, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also, this last, um, this last verse here, listen to this, he said, also in his epistles, speaking in them of things in which there are some things hard to understand, which... Uh, they that are, that are unlearned and unstable wrestle with as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. But it, so he goes on to say, and, and basically what I wanted you to see there was, uh, actually verse 14 was the one I was wanting to point out, but, but, but here, here's what, here's what uh, uh, Peter said. He said, listen, he said, life as you know it here on the earth, one day this world, this world is going to be burned up and there's going to be nothing left. So basically, his exhortation is this. So why are you so worried about what's going on here on this earth? Because at the, to be honest with you, at the, there's coming a day when everything here will be burnt up and, and nothing, I'm talking about nothing will be left. And Paul says, so our hope is that we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth. So until that day comes, Paul's, you know, Peter said, listen, until that day comes, he said, what, he said, what manner of life should you be living? And the answer to that, what what Peter was getting at, the answer to that was we need to be looking and living our life for Him, not so much concerned about what's going on down here. Most people get wrapped up with all of this, and they miss that. You know, they miss their relationship with God. So Peter said, look, he said everything down here is going to be burnt up, the heavens are going to be on fire, the earth is going to melt with fervent heat, there's not going to be anything left, so why, why get so caught up with all this stuff? I mean, that's a pretty strong exhortation, isn't it? <clears throat> and and so, so that really is the biggest or the, the most detailed explanation or detailed, um, you know, prophecy about these end times. So let's go back to chapter 21. And now that we've seen that, we can kind of look at this. And, uh, you know, John, you have to understand, I guess, you know, from John's point of view, sometimes we wish, or sometimes I wish, and I'm sure other people do too, I wish that John was a little bit more detailed in some of his description. Because a lot of times like even in this verse, John just said he just said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's that's his description. Well man, Peter gave the description. The heavens are going to be on fire and the earth's gonna be burnt up with fervor and heat and I mean, you know, and, and you're like, John, why didn't you tell us some of that? You know, you saw it, John. I mean, you know, you could have given us a little bit more description. But but you have to think when John was seeing this, could you imagine I mean, you know, just Sometimes we don't think this way, but John was looking at some things. I mean, he, by the time he saw this, he, he had already seen all of the rest of Revelation and and everything that he had written down. And probably by the time he got here, he's thinking, "Man, what else can happen here?" You know. And so he wasn't as necessarily as detailed. And and as always, um, what what I you know the way I look at this is if 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 it's not. Uh, if God didn't put it in detail and he didn't, he didn't give us the details that we're longing for, then we don't need to know those details. I mean, you know, we don't need to speculate on things. Uh, you know, He gives us His Word. What He gives us is what, what we need, and what, that's all we need, and therefore we just receive it and say, okay, Lord, I'll just trust You in that. So John just simply said that, the, you know, he saw a new heaven and a new earth, the old heavens and the old earth have passed away, and there, were, and there was no more seed. So then in verse 2, John goes on to say this, and he said, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a, I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Wow. And it says, and, and here, notice in verse 4, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be, by, be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So notice here Notice here in this verse all of the negatives. You know, the, one, the biggest thing that's going to be... Um, the biggest difference, well, I can't say the biggest. One of the, one of the big differences in heaven, and, and, and when I say heaven, I mean our eternal home after the millennial reign, is this. There will be nothing negative there. You know, one, thing, one statement you won't hear anybody say in eternity is this. Have a good day. You know why? Because every day is going to be good. I mean, there won't be no bad. When, we, when, we're in the, when we're at home eternal, our eternal home, there'll never be another bad day. Now, notice what he said here. John said this. <clears throat> he, said, he said, God will wipe away all tears. I mean, how many of y'all have cried lately over something? I mean, we, we probably all have over a, a loved one or over a situation or over, over you know, something that happened in our lives. We probably all shed some tears. In heaven, we'll never cry again. Amen. That's, that's, that's going to be a good day. It says, there shall be no more death. Man, we've all been, we've all been shattered by death, right? I mean, somebody, you know, my dad, my dad passed away a couple years ago. You know, tomorrow's his birthday. Would have been his birthday here on the earth. And, and man, you know, that, that, that still hurts. You know, death still hurts even after two, two and a half years. You know, it still hurts that, that loved ones left. But in heaven, our eternal home, we'll never have to worry about death again. There'll be no tears. There'll be no death. He goes on to say, neither will there be no sorrow. I mean, I could ask these questions. How many of you have had sorrow over something? Well, man, we all have. In heaven, there will be no sorrow. Nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Man, to live pain-free. Glory to God. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, we don't have to worry about our bodies getting older and and aches and pains and, and pops and all that stuff, you know, that our body does. In, in our eternal state, I mean, all these negative things, pain and sorrow and tears and death and all these things, that won't exist in heaven. Amen. Glory to God. That's, I mean, that, that's enough to shout about right there for eternity, much less what we're getting ready to read. I mean, that's, that's a great start to his description of a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven. And then verse 5, he said this. Now listen to this. Verse 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne." said, Behold, I make all things new. Glory to God. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now you remember there was one other time that we read in Revelation where John saw some things and he started to write them down and the Lord told him, said, Don't write those things down. You know, they're not, they're not for, you know, you, you don't need to write that down and share this. But this, when John saw this, Jesus, we'll find out that he who sat on the throne was Jesus. And, and, it's, and he, he looked at John and he says, behold, I make all things new. And then he looked at John he said, now, take your pen and pencil out and write this down because I need you to tell everybody this. I, you know, this is what's getting ready to happen. And he says, and he said unto him, still talking about the one that sat on the throne, he told him, he said, write for these, these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, which we know is the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is athirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Glory to God. Now we're going to find that fountain of life. We're going to see that in chapter 22. And he gives a little bit of a description of it in chapter 22. So we'll leave that along for now. Verse 7, he says this, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Glory to God. So, so he said this. And now who's he talking about, the overcomers? He's talking about all of those that believe. He's talking about you and me as believers. We are overcomers. You know, you think. just think about this when you think about an overcomer. You know, Jesus said this. He said, he said this, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Well, how do how do, you, how do you become a Christian? How do you have faith, or how do you... You know, how do you, uh, b- well, the way, the way we become a Christian, what we call a Christian, is we believe, right? It's our faith that connects us with God. So here, he says that the overcomer, he that overcomes, well, by this time, we, I mean, we're already in heaven. We're, we've got our glorified body. We've been through the millennial. We're overcomers. And here he said, he that overcomes shall inherit all things. So everything, I mean, everything will be ours. You know, it's it's ours now, but there's some things. Listen, there's some things we won't need till we get to heaven. I mean, you know, and 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 you know, I mean, we could. I'm sure we could use them here, but but what he's saying is this: the the fullness of everything will be revealed at that time in the new heaven and the new earth. Man, that's I mean, that's incredible. Now, verse eight is one of these that uh, this is such an interesting verse, and there's the next couple of verses are some of these that that a lot of um, Theologians, you know, have debates about and talk about, you know, well, what's what's it going to look like and what's, you know, why would he say something like that? I'll give you my opinion about it, and it's very limited, and and you can take take it for what it's worth. But but let's let's look at this, <clears throat> verse number eight. It says, "But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, and idolaters." And all liars shall not have their part or, or shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, now a lot of people will say, a lot of people say things like, well, you know, um, a lot of people that like that don't believe in eternal security will tell you that this, they use verses like this. They say, see, if you tell a lie, you're going to, it says you, you have a part in the lake of fire. You know, and they and they'll they'll tell you, you know, that, that if you're if you have any of these things, that that you're going to have your part in the lake of fire. Well, you know, uh, to, to me, you know, and and I and I still believe that if you have a lifestyle of those things, you know, that you truly you probably aren't truly born again. If you can live that lifestyle and not not live under condemnation and not live under under you know a need to repent. Man if if I miss if I miss it if if I get in a in a uh you know discussion a heated discussion with Stacy or something or 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 maybe I say something or maybe I I look at something or maybe I you know something the lord told me not to do and I do that man I I mean immediately I mean man I'm I mean I'm so grieved on the inside I just I mean I just have to run somewhere and just say god I'm sorry I met, I missed it in that You know cuz I don't I mean cuz on the inside of me there's just something on the inside of me. As soon as that anything like that happens, I'm just like God. I can't live with I can't live with the thought of me being you know something standing in between us. You know, you're, my relationship with you is too important. And you know, so for so so for somebody who would who could live like that and live a lifestyle of that, then there's something there's something that's not right on the inside. You know, and so I'll leave that at that. We could we could talk about that for for years to come. And uh, so let's go on in verse 9. And and you you do with that what what the Lord tells you to do with that. Verse 9 says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels. Now this is interesting. There came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain, and showed me the great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. So now here we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to get the description of the new Jerusalem. Now, I don't, you know, this is, one of those, this is another one of those things that a lot of people will debate about and talk about because, um, you know, Jerusalem, the, in the new heaven and the new earth, Jerusalem is going to be the focal point. It's going to be where God reigns. It's going to be where the throne of Jesus is. Um, I mean, this this place is huge. We're, we're going to find out it's it's fifteen hundred miles square. You know, it takes up like three quarters. Just the 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 floor print of it takes up like three quarters of the United States, and it's as tall as it is long and wide and high. I mean, you know, I mean, so so this place is humongous. As a matter of fact, there's stu- people's done studies on this. And, and if this is, if these numbers that, that John is getting ready to, that we're getting ready to read, if they are literal numbers, meaning that, this, that the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles tall, uh, the numbers are something like this, that they, there could be um, each person that has ever lived on the earth, and I can't remember how many billion of people that is, I can't remember what the number is, but but if those numbers were true that each person could have in that in in heaven in the new Jerusalem that each person would would have 70 square miles of territory that could be theirs without touching anybody else's property I mean that's how big this is we're not talking about just just one little city or one little thing we're this this you know we're talking about this place is massive now think think about what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and receive you. So from the time Jesus left, he's been preparing this place. And it's been it's been what? 2000 years. And and so, you know, so this is a I mean, this is a special place, right? I mean, cuz you think about God created the whole earth in 7 days. <laughs> You know, and he's been preparing this for 2,000 years. So, you know, you can see the, the comparison there. So let's just see what he said here. He said this. He said, uh, verse 11, it says, uh, Having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it had a wall great and high, and it had twelve gates, and at the gates were twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So every gate had a name of a tribe listed on it. We're going to find out there was, well, in here the next verse tells us this. On the east there were three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on, the, and on the west three gates. And it says the wall of that city had twelve foundations. And in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Now imagine John's surprise here, or John, John's shock, when he sees this, and guess what? His name's one of those on there. I mean he's looking at this great city coming down out of heaven, and there he sees he sees Peter and James, John. Whoa, my name, my name's one of the foundations. <laughs> you know, I mean that's pretty incredible. You know, so the 12 foundations are the 12 apostles. And it says, and, and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square. You're talking about, you know, had four, it was four, four walls to it. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. And the length and the breadth breadth and the height of it are equal. 12,000 furlongs equals, in our modern uh, measurements today, would be 1,500 miles. Wow. It says, and he measured the wall there of 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city... Was pure gold, likened to clear glass. Could you imagine that? I mean, gold so pure that you can see through it. My goodness. And the foundations of the wall of that city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The, now he he lists this, and I, I uh, l- let me give you. Uh, uh, we'll read this out of the amplified because it gives the colors here. A little bit, I think. Uh, well, no, don't give all of them either. Um, I should have wrote this down. But but the, the 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 twelve foundations are like twelve different colors. If you could imagine that the colors of of stones of all the different stones and everybody that everybody that has ever gone to heaven, you know the stories that you hear of people going to heaven and coming back. One thing that they all say is that the colors there are indescribable. There's colors in heaven that that they've never seen. In other words, the be- the the just the the boldness of the colors there are just incredible. So John, I want you to notice here as John describes this, he says it's as jasper or as as this thing. So he he's describing it the best way he knows how. You know, so he says the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second sapphire. The third, uh, Chalcedony. The fourth, Emerald. The fifth, Sar- uh, Sardonyx. The sixth, Sardis. The seventh, uh, Crystallite. The eighth, Beryl. The ninth, Topaz. The tenth, uh, Syrophasis or something. <laughs> the eleventh, uh, J- uh, Jacinth. And the twelfth, an Amethyst. Amor- and the twelve gates. Now, check this out. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate, or each, each separate gate, was of one pearl. Could you imagine that? One pearl is one, one gate. There's, there's twelve gates. If you can imagine a 1,500-mile-long a, a a wall that had three humongous gates on it, and each one of these humongous gates was, a, was one pearl. Imagine how big that oyster had to be, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's incredible. And 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 it says the street. Now listen to this: the street of that city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I now and and then he's going to give us. We're, we'll get through chapter twenty-one here. We'll read the next couple of verses, and then we'll have to do twenty-two next week. He says, and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. So there wasn't a there wasn't a building that was a temple. He said that he notice what he said. He said that the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are the temple thereof. So when I said earlier, when I said earlier that our focus and our mind and our thoughts are going to be on Jesus and on God, you know that just kind of sums that up that there wasn't even a temple, there wasn't a church building to go to, but it was God and Jesus, they're the temple. They're, in other words, we're, they're going to be the focus. They're going to be the ones that we go, our eyes will be on them. You know, It won't be on a building, it won't be on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a ceremony per se, but our eyes will be on them. So they are the temple. God and Jesus are the temple of that place. Now listen to this, these next couple verses are incredible. It says, and the city had no need of the sun, the S-U-N, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So in other words, the new heaven and the new earth, you know, part of, part of uh, what we saw in the, the Great Tribulation, especially the, the end of the Great Tribulation, was that the sun and the moon were darkened. You remember that and like a third of the day was no more and, and you know and, and the, the you know they basically lost its light. Well, when the heavens and the earth pass away, so will the earth so will the sun and the moon. And he says, but but when the new heaven and the new earth come down, that God didn't have to create a new ball of fire up there somewhere. He said, Because the glory of God lit the room up, lit this this entire building fifteen hundred miles square I can't remember how many it was a uh, they said that that fifteen hundred miles straight up that wall I think there's something like 600 670,000 670, stories at 13 feet high I mean that's humongous, right I mean you know we can't even fathom that. I mean, we think the you know, the, the Twin Towers were tall at what, you know, however many hundreds of stories they were. This, we're talking about 670,000 stories tall. And it says that the sun, they're, they're what, you know, we're not going to have light switches in there turning lights on and off. The glory of God is going to be so bright, it's going to light everything up. And you're going to find out, I think, in these next couple of verses, or, or another place here, where it says that there's not even a shadow in heaven. In other words, the light, the glory of God and Jesus himself, the light that radiates off him, it lights the place up so much that there's not even a dark place. Glory to God. And verse 24, he goes on to say, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now, verse 25 is another interesting statement here. Notice what he said. He says, And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. So, you know, of course, in a city, in that day especially, they would close the gates of the city at night because it got dark and they didn't want people sneaking in. Well, here it said that the gates are always open and they never get shut. Why? Because there's never night. The, glory, the light in heaven, our eternal, in other words, in our eternal bodies, our, uh, our heavenly bodies, there won't be need for us to sleep. There's not going to be a night time when we all lay down and go to sleep. Because, because we're spirit beings, we're not, the, really the reason that we sleep uh, here in this earth, in this, this dispensation we live in, is to refresh our body. You know, but in in heaven, our earthly bodies. Now, think about this. Think how long it would take if we had to wait on an elevator to go six hundred and seventy thousand stories high. We'd be waiting for days, wouldn't we? But see, in heaven, at, when we get in our eternal state, and I believe in the millennial reign, it'll be the same way. I think we'll be just like Jesus was when he, after the, after he was crucified and after he rose from the dead. He didn't remember. He didn't even have to use a door. He walked through a wall. And then he he was immediately in one place and immediately he was somewhere else. In other words, I think we'll be able just to think, hey, I need to go to the 534,000th story up there. Boom, we'll be there. You know, hey, I need to go see Joel on the other, Joel over there on the other side. Man, he's all the way on the other side of, of heaven over there, over, over on the other side of New Jerusalem. Boom, I'll be there. Boy, won't that be something. No more road construction. Amen. No more standing behind a stop sign you know I mean you know things we don't think about it but guys listen heaven is going to be perfect eternity is going to be perfect you don't want to miss it for the world (laughs) that's what Peter was saying really wasn't it Peter said look if you know all this stuff's going to be vanished then why in the world would you miss heaven for what's here knowing that this is going to pass away knowing that, that this is all just temporary so he says the gates of it shall not Be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, verse 27, here's the verse that that we'll end up with. And this is another one of those, kind of a hard verse. And I don't understand everything about it. I'll be the first to tell you that. Um, Notice what verse 27 says. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but that which are written in the Lamb's book of life." So it's interesting that he said, he said, you know, the gates of heaven will always be open because there's no night. And he talks about the kings of the earth bringing their glory in, the nations bringing the glory and honor of the nations into heaven. But then he makes this odd statement that just says, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. Now, if it's totally a new heaven and a new earth, and and Satan and 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 all of his you know, all of the evil people that rejected him, they're in the lake of fire. You know, and so so, you know, why would why would John make a statement and say that nothing shall enter the gates that brings an abomination or that that tells a lie or or that worketh evil you know why would he even mention that if 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 all if satan and every and everybody that ever rejected him and he said cuz the only the only people that can enter the gates is whose names in the book of the life the book of the lamb now, some people, uh, like Perry Stone for example, I, I've heard him teach this and I was reading this in his commentary today. Um he believes that and I and I didn't really get a scripture reference on this. I know uh, he I know he talked about a couple times about a couple of the scripture um that I'll share, but but he believes that that from the gates of heaven we'll be able to see into the lake of fire. And because you know, if you remember if you remember, like uh, like the rich man and Lazarus, you know he called out. Now, now of course, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, which was right next to right next to Hades in that in that time before Jesus was resurrected. But but Lazarus could look over into the lake of fire, or look over into Hades at the time. Excuse me. And they had a conversation, and of course they said that there's a great gulf fixed here that neither one of us can cross back and forth. You know and but but he he was saying that you know Perry was saying that that it's almost like we we'll be able to see into that, but we won't we won't be able to cross over there and they won't be able to cross into 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 glory. That presents another interesting thing. if there's gates that are open, then does that mean that we'll be able to travel outside of the of the great city? Just a thought I mean. Will be, you know, will we be able to travel the Milky Way, the the galaxies, you know? I mean, and, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, you know, that's that's beyond my knowledge and that's beyond my pay grade. And but but uh, but it's just interesting things. It's just interesting to me that, that he would put this scripture in here, that just made the statement, that just said, you know, because he's talking about, you know, everything in heaven's perfect. And and listen, there will never be another uprising. There'll never be. Anything evil ever enter into the gates of, of heaven we know that, but why why would he even make the statement to say the only thing that can enter in is those people that whose names are in the book of life so evidently you know i, I don't know whether whether there's other things out there or i, mean, I, I don't know i don't know what that looks like um, i don't have an answer for it and if you if you study that scripture if you look at that scripture there'll be 2 million different opinions on it, because nobody really knows what it means. You know, I mean, nobody has the interpretation of it because, um, I mean, because we don't know. That's all. He, that's all John said. John just made the, the made the statement: "There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie." But they which but but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life now. It could be, it could be that he just wrote that as a confirmation saying that your name's got to be in the book of life and it's not, you're just, you know, you're just not going to heaven and he didn't mean anything by that other than, other than, you know, once you're in, you're in and there ain't nobody else coming in after the great white throne judgment. That's it. You know, it could be something as simple as that or it could have, it could have a deeper meaning than that. Um, I don't get, I don't worry about it because I'm going to be in my name's in the, my name's in the Lamb's book of life and. And that's not changing, so uh, so th- you know that's you know I don't worry myself with that. But it's just you know it, it it's scriptures like that 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 just you know that that you can uh, that you can think about and, and you can let your mind run with a little bit. Just don't don't let it run too far because if it was important enough, he would tell us the meaning of it, and you know uh, uh, he would he would show us those things and and you know so it's not like a it's not like a uh, heaven or hell. Thing there that you know that that that's all that important. Uh, just it's just something curious, and maybe maybe I'm making too much of it. I don't know. Uh, just something that I think about. You know, it's like why why would he even say that? You know, if if there's if if that if if that's the case. But uh, but man, what a home we're going we're that God is preparing for us. Amen. What a what a place you don't want to miss it for anything, and you don't want your loved ones, your family. You don't want anybody to miss that, so what do we do? I'll, I'll, I'll echo Joseph Morris now. What do we do? What, hey, we, we be busy about the Lord's, the Lord's business, amen? We witness to everybody. We share, we share the gospel with everybody we come in contact. You know, we don't, we don't try to fit God into our life. He is our life. I, I'll echo what Peter said. You know, if you know that, if you know you want to be in heaven and you know that that's your eternal home, then, then let that be your focus. And you want all your family, you want all your friends to be with you, then let that be your focus. You know, do everything within everything within your power, everything that you can to to share the gospel with them and give them the opportunity to to receive Jesus just like you did. Amen, amen. All right. Well, we'll we'll finish up next week. We'll finish up with chapter twenty two. It describes a little bit more about. Uh, it, it introduces us to the the river of the water of life and the tree. The tree of life that we saw, you know, we didn't see the tree of life. We saw it in Genesis three and or at the beginning of Genesis. Then we see it in the last book of the Bible. So the tree of life is there uh, that was in the Garden of Eden, and and uh, and so we'll we'll see that next week, and then some more things, some more revelation about um, about our eternal home, and and then we'll finish up uh, the last verse of the the last verse of the book of Revelation says, "Grace be unto you, Amen." So uh, so we'll finish up with grace as we finish up the book of Revelation. Amen.